come in today. Uh, one of those Mylar balloons, you know, you, you hold them up and they, they float. So why? Well, they're filled with helium, lighter than the air around it. Uh, these hot air balloons, you know, you heat up the air and the balloon rises, cool it off, balloon goes down. So there's a principle. What do you fill with? We live in a day when people are filled with all kinds of things. This is a day of substance abuse. And I was looking at some recent statistics. 70% um, of people have drunk alcohol in the last year. 56% of Americans say they've drunk in the last month. Almost one, uh, 21 million Americans, 21 million, have at least one addiction. That's what you admit. 21 million Americans say they have at least one addiction. Um, more than 90% of people who have an addiction started to drink alcohol or use drugs before they were 18 years old. That's, boy, that's why peer pressure, you know, teaching kids to stand up against peer pressure is so important. Every year worldwide, alcohol is the cause of 5.3 deaths. That's basically one out of every 20 deaths worldwide because of alcohol. Um, about, uh, sorry, one in 200. About 88,000 people die as a result of alcohol in the U.S. every year. A lot of them car wrecks or some domestic violence. About 6% of American adults, that's 15 million, have an alcohol use disorder. And then there's fentanyl. I mean, I was looking yesterday, there was 100,000 Americans who died of fentanyl. I was talking to our neighbor who's not even saved down in Pensacola. And he said, oh, I've been telling my granddaughter, you know, don't, if somebody offers you skills or you don't, don't just take it. Let us, let us look at it before you take something if somebody gives it to you. Uh, amazing fentanyl. You think, why would drug addicts, why would drug dealers be lacing stuff with them? I mean, coming in through our southern border and the Chinese are willing to wipe out our young people so they can take over her country without firing a shot. I mean, those are the frank discussion of why the southern border is such an issue. But uh, there's a bigger power than just, you know, China, Chinese Communist Party line. Satan wanting to destroy The thief coming not but for to steal, to kill, and destroy. And I will tell you this, uh, he would love to use you to bring about the destruction. He uses your own desires against you. And it's interesting. Let's read the passage of Scripture. I want to talk about this idea of what he filled with. Ephesians 5. Let me just read from verses 17 to 21 right now. My, uh, my intention is to cover these verses tonight, and then we'll cover the rest of the portion tomorrow morning in our second session. Ephesians 5, 17. Wherefore, be not unwise. But understanding what the will of the Lord is. And be not drunk with wine nor with excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. If you notice from verse 18 to verse 21, that is one long sentence, one continual sentence. Uh, I taught English in our church's Christian school back home for a year before I launched out of evangelism. And I remember it, sometimes I'd have to put R-O in the margin of somebody's paper. You know what R-O stood for? Run-on, yeah, it was a run-on sentence. Well, in English, that would be a run-on sentence, but not in Greek. Have you ever seen Paul would sometimes have a whole column, one sentence. And all of that is joined together. Okay, do not be drunk of wine, but be filled with the Spirit. And I will tell you, as much as I, I ought to, Labor the topic of preaching on alcohol for a little bit. Uh, think about this. As important as not to get drunk, it is even more important that you do be filled with the Spirit. It ought to be a big deal if Christians are getting drunk. We ought to make them a lot like, that's a problem. That is really a problem. But you know what's even greater problem? When Christians are not filled with the Spirit. Let's go back to Proverbs for a minute. Um, Proverbs chapter... 23, Proverbs 23. Interesting, when Daniel was taken into captivity of Babylon, and they tried to change his diet, they tried to change drink, they, they changed his uh, identity. You know, they renamed him. Daniel means God is my judge. They named him Belteshazzar, Bel protected king. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, all their names, or Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah were their given names. Those were honoring of God, the God of Israel. Instead, they changed their name to honor pagan gods. They 
they changed their diet, you know, and Jews had a very strict kosher diet, and, and uh, here they're putting a pagan diet. And then the king, you know, was giving them wine to drink. The other guys were putting slavery in. Who knows what they ate, but Daniel and his buddies must have thought, this is great. You know, we, we've got the king's diet, and Daniel says, ah, there's a problem here. I can't eat the king's meat. can't drink the king's wine. Why not? Well, he would have known passages like this. Look at Proverbs 23, um, beginning in verse 23. He says, buy the truth and sell it not. Also, wisdom, instruction, and understanding. You know, there's a price to be paid for the truth. Go down to verse 29. Who hath woe? Who hath sorrow? Who hath contentions? Who hath babbling? Who hath wounds without cause? Who hath redness of eyes? Okay, so think of the description here. Sorrow, woe, contention. You know, they're depressed. They're fighting. Babbling. They can't even put a sentence together coherently. Uh, wounds without cause. They got injured. They don't know how it happened. Uh, Redness of eyes, we call that bloodshot eyes. Who's that describing? They're drunk, yeah, look at um, Who has this? Verse 30, they that carry along with the wine, they that go to seek mixed wine. Look not thou upon the wine when it's red, when you give it this color of the cup, when it moves itself the right glass, and bite it like a serpent, and stinketh like an adder. I, uh, I really am sickened by hearing people try to argue Jesus uh, turning water into wine as an excuse for beer and Bible studies. Yeah. Do not use the Savior as an excuse for drinking. Amen. And I'll tell you, uh, well, Jesus turned water into wine, and there was no distinction. Look, wine would get fermented after a while, and it is true, you know, wine eventually would be intoxicating. But think about this. When the Lord instituted the Lord's table, you remember it was at the Passover, and he said, this, this bread represents my body, which is broken for you. You remember something had to be unique about the bread that was offered during the Passover? It had to be without what? Leaven. And then the wine would equally need to be unleavened. There was a distinction. It wouldn't be at the point of intoxicating because they were to get rid of the leaven in their house. And, and, and don't make Jesus serving beer on tap like open bar when Jesus was at the wedding of Cana. No. The Lord was not serving out all the good people drunk. In fact, be like this. Um, could you get drunk off of wine? Yeah. It was not distilled like it is today. Which, yeah, there was intoxicated wine eaten. That's what Daniel was worried about. Belshazzar would, they would deliberately get people drunk. But think of it this way. If um, the youth pastor was uh, walking around with a can of Mountain Dew, would people say, oh, youth pastor's drunk? Well, no. Can people get influenced off of Mountain Dew? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, I was a study hall teacher, and uh, I had a girl in my class one day. She was out of control, and I said, Melissa, what did you have for lunch? And she told me, and I said, and to drink? She said, hmm, Mountain Dew. I said, how many? She said, five. Well, she was flighty as a bumblebee, this girl. And, you know, you don't have to show an ID to get a Mountain Dew, but there is a limit, right? You can actually get influence. I remember going to Walmart with my girls, and we got some modeling clay for a project they were doing. And when we went to pay, the clerk said, oh, I need to check your ID. And the girl's like, Dad, what are we doing? I said, oh, it's the modeling glue. I'm like, what? I said, people snip it, they get high. Well, Dad, we're not going to... I said, you know, I know you're not. <laughs> but I said, the fact is, people do snip it, they get high, and so they're having me show my ID. Now, do they make modeling glue so people will get high? No, they make modeling glue to put together models. Uh, same thing with, you know, like methamphetamines. So you, take, you know, take basic household cleaners and mix it so you get these powerful, overwhelming drugs. Okay, wine can be intoxicating. Okay, soda could be influential. Remember this, in Jesus' day, you would not, um, there would not be a blood alcohol content check. You would breathe into the bag. Okay, all of you who have taken your driver's exam, what's the legal blood alcohol content level you cannot exceed? Anybody remember? 0.08. Now, was there a 0.08 limit in Jesus' day? No. You know, there's a slogan you've probably seen in driver's ed. Buzzed drinking is, buzz driving is what? Drunk driving, yeah. If you're buzzed, you're, you're being influenced, you're... You're drunk. It's not based on your blood alcohol. It's the influence. Okay, so God says, don't don't be drunk with wine. Don't be influenced by. And by the way, you think, oh well, as long as I don't, I can use prescription medication. I get a high a different way. You think it's okay if it's just a different substance? What's he saying? No one, nothing should be in control of you but my spirit. So so don't be unwise. Okay, go back. But understanding what the will of the Lord is. What is the will of the Lord? No, you don't be drunk with wine, but you instead be filled with the Spirit. Don't be filled with alcohol. And by the way, filled is not like it's coming out of your pores. It's being influenced by it, okay? 
So being filled with is controlled by. Don't be controlled by alcohol, but be controlled by the spirit. By the way, notice spirit, capital or lowercase there. Capitalized. Who is that? Holy Spirit, yeah. So the Holy Spirit. So we have here the influence within. The influence within. In fact, uh, let me flesh this out. So there are a couple of sub-points there. One is not influenced by intoxicating spirits. But then we have fully influenced by the indwelling spirit. Okay, so not influenced by intoxicating spirits. And that would be true of alcohol or drugs or whatever. But no, no, no. Just as important, we tell people, hey, listen, kids, don't do drugs. And I find myself in camps, Christian schools, warning kids about the dangers of drugs. How many, how many stories I've heard in the last couple of years, kids who never touch drugs, but one time somebody gives them what they think is Percocet or something else, you know, when they're dealing with depression or whatever, it's incredible to me how many kids are on antidepressants today, how many adults are on antidepressants. And they think it's something like Percocet, it's like, it'll help your nerves, and the next thing you know, they're dead because it's laced with fentanyl. And one mistake can cost you your life nowadays. God says, don't do that. Find your fulfillment, find your control in me. Well, as important as to say, hey, don't do drugs, way more important is to say, do be dominated by, do be controlled by God's spirit. What does that mean? Well, you know, drugs don't influence you by just sitting in a room with drugs. So how do you, how do drugs influence a person? Alcohol doesn't, you know, I'm, if I'm walking down the hallway or the aisle at Walmart and I happen to go down and grab an Arizona iced tea and I happen to walk down the liquor aisle, am I influenced? No, you've got to take it in to be influenced by it. How do you get influenced by the Holy Spirit? Well, first he's got to be in you. Ephesians 1.13, you're sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. Romans 8.9 says, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he's none of his. You can't live the Christian life if you don't first have a Christian life. And how do you get a Christian life? Well, I go to church. No, you don't get a Christian life by going to church. You get, um, Mike just mentioned a minute ago, you get it by being born again, begotten of God. And in fact, it's interesting. Jesus said, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And the said, well, how, how can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus said, no. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit, the spirit marvel not that I said to thee, you must be born again. Okay, born of flesh, that's your first birthday. Born of the spirit, that's your second birthday. You don't come into this world unless you were born into this world. There has to be a birth. You don't come into the family of God unless you've been born again. If you're not sure what that means, I would urge you, come talk to me, come talk to the pastor, talk to one of the pastoral staff, you must be born again. You don't have life in you until you're born. You don't have spiritual life in you until you're born again. Born from above. Born a second time by the Spirit of God. And so you can't be influenced by the Spirit if He doesn't indwell you. You also can't be influenced by the Spirit unless He's in control. Now God says He doesn't give the Spirit by measure. But the question is how much have we yielded control to Him? Some people, I say, well, I, I do a pretty good job holding my liquor. It is amazing. I mean, some, some people, they can drink and drink. I, I'm at ball games once in a while, and I'll watch people who have drunk and drunk and drunk. I think, I don't want to be behind that guy that drives home. It's amazing they get out of the parking lot without killing somebody. But some people, you know, they, they hold more than others. Well, okay, that's on the bad side of things. The good side of things, let me ask you this. How much control does the Spirit of God influence over your life? Well, you can probably tell when you get involved in sporting activities and it's not going the way you want it to go. You can probably tell when you get in an argument with your spouse. You can probably tell when your kids are not obeying like the way they should. Boy, when a person is filled with anger, what does that mean? Being controlled by anger. When a person's full of pride, what's that mean? It's not that pride is so present it's oozing out of the force. It's the idea of being controlled by Filled with pride, filled with lust, filled with hate, filled with anger, or filled with the Spirit. Let the Spirit of God be the controlling influence. So, there's the influence within. Then I want you to notice this, the evidence without. Okay, the evidence outside. So, in uh, verse 19, he begins to flesh out what does it mean to be filled with the Spirit. Ephesians 5, 19. How will this manifest itself? How do you know whether you're filled with the Spirit? Well, 
One thing he says is speaking to yourselves in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. The other day, I, uh, I wanted to add a, a different dimension to my quiet time, so I pulled out one of those uh, Singing of the Wild songbooks that was on our piano. And I, I sat down, and it's just me with the Lord, and I just sang a couple of songs that I commonly sung at camp. And it's amazing how that simple act of just singing really prepares your heart to be in tune with God. In fact, it was um, Hudson Taylor who said, do not have your concert first and then tune your instrument afterward. Begin every day with the word of God in prayer. That's well said. If you're a musician, you wouldn't tune after you had a concert. You've got to tune your instrument before you perform and start your day with God. Singing to yourselves. We have a friend in New Jersey, though, Benny Griffin. And the, the Griffins are lifetime friends of ours. We, we go back five generations. Our moms were friends, their moms were friends, their moms were friends. Now our kids are all friends. And uh, so the Griffins are our closest friends in New Jersey. They're like family to us. And, and Benny Griffin I have known since my babyhood. And when I stay at her house, sometimes I'll, I'll hear her. She's on this kick. She'll be singing a song like, you know, He Keeps Me Singing. There's within my heart a melody. She'll be singing it. Later I'll hear her in the day and she'll be whistling it. And then I'll see her feeling finished and she's humming it. And I remember one time I said, Daddy, you've been on that song all day. She said, Rich, have I never told you about my song for the day? I said, what do you mean your song for the day? She said, every day I wake up, God gives me a song. And she said, I don't think of it. I just, God brings one to my mind, and that's my hymn for the day. And she said, I hum it, and I sing it, and I, I just recite it. That's, that's exactly this truth. You know, that, speaking to yourself in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. Interesting. Uh, psalms, that's inspired. Singing. Okay, the book of Psalms, you know, it's actually a hymn book. You know, technically... Sometimes we say open a psalm, chapter 90. They're actually not chapters. It's more like a hymn book, right? Or the hymn number one or two. Or psalm 90 is like psalm number 90. And they were inspired psalms. And have you ever noticed the best way to memorize scripture is put it to music? Yeah, I remember one of our assignments for our kids in our Christian school is everybody had to find a passage of scripture that they would set to some kind of melody. And uh, the last psalm is Psalm 150. And I never memorized Psalm 150, but I could recite it. Because one of the kids in the school had put it to music. Praise ye the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in the firmament of his power. I, I never sat down and memorized that song. I just sung it up. It's in my mind. Okay, so speak to yourself in psalms. Man, I'll tell you, you're going through crises. Go to the book of Psalms. Okay, and then psalms, hymns. What are hymns? Typically, hymns were written by people as an expression of either a human experience or a declaration of doctrine. That's, that's why I hate to see churches abandon the old hymns. I'm not opposed to new music that's done conservatively and rightly, and, but, man, we make a mistake when we abandon the old hymns. The history of hymnology, the, uh, the richness of doctrine in hymns, God says, speak yourself, Psalms, hymns. And then spiritual songs. Isn't it interesting? The word spiritual in the Bible always stands in contrast to what? Yeah, carnal, fleshly. When I got saved, I'd grown up in a Methodist church that did not preach the Bible. I was in public school. So as a fourth grader, I got addicted to rock music. And I remember I first got introduced to the rock group Queen. You know, we are the champions. We will rock you. They still play this stuff in arenas and sports centers. And uh, so I went out and bought the, the rock album from Queen as a kid, and I got addicted to ACDC, Led Zeppelin, Van Halen, all this kind of stuff. So I started going to a Bible preaching church when I was about 14 and a half, just before my freshman year of high school. And the kids in my youth group said, you listen to what? And I told them, I said, don't you know that's bad? I never thought about it as being bad. I just thought it was what teenagers did, you know? I listened to this, I was addicted to it. They said, man, that's bad. And they gave me some reading material, and I started getting convicted. And I remember saying... Lord, if you show me this music's wrong, I'll give it up. Now, that was a big step. And, and sometimes, I'll, I'll tell you very transparently, sometimes when I preach on this, I've had uh, kids in camp, they'll come up and say, uh, well, look, you know, I, I heard what you said about, you know, you and the music when you're a teenager, but I'll tell you this, 
You'll never convince me my music's wrong. Now, what would you say if somebody told you that? I tell them, well, you're actually right. I won't. I won't. Your parents won't. Your youth pastor won't. Even God won't. They say, what? No, because you're not willing. Let me show you a very important principle. Go to John 7, uh, chapter 7 with me for a minute. John chapter 7. So, I remember saying, Lord, if you show me the music's wrong, I'll give it up. You know, really, music is, is not just a matter of harmony, melody, and rhythm. Music's an issue of the heart. There is such a thing as spiritual music, and by contrast, there's such a thing as carnal music. And, and do you think the stuff I was listening to from ACDC and Led Zeppelin was influenced by the spirit or by the flesh? They'll tell you, it wasn't the preacher's opinion, they, they would tell you we are all about sex and drugs and rebellion. That wasn't my opinion, that's what they were telling. And I didn't listen to it because I liked the message, I just liked the beat. I, I had friends after I gave it up, so why don't you listen to Christian rock? I said, like, why don't I go to Christian stripper shows and do Christian cocaine? Like, what? I said, I'm, I'm addicted to the music. It's nothing to do with the message. I like the beat. So if I listen to so-called Christian rock, that's what's drawing me is that music. I'm just going right back to the old stuff because well, what's he mean when he says he put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our God? New is different, un unlike anything else. It's not fleshly, it's spiritual. Okay, so we're in John 7. And look at verses uh, 15 to 17. The Jews marvel and say, How knoweth this man letters having never learned? In other words, he doesn't have training like our rabbis. He can go to rabbinical school. Where did he get this wisdom? Jesus answered them and said, My doctrine is not mine, but his that sent me. What's another word for doctrine? Teaching. My instruction, my teaching didn't originate with me. It came from the Father. And then verse 17 If any man will do his will, he shall know of the doctrine, whether it be of God or whether I speak of myself. Okay, how do you know if something's just man's opinion or if it's God's truth? First of all, you got to be willing. When, when somebody says to me, you'll never convince me, I tell them, you're right, I won't. Nor will your parents, nor will your pastor, nor will God. You're not willing. But are you willing to be willing? Here's a great promise. I sure do this, and you do too. Philippians 2.13, it's God which work to think you both to will and to do it. It's a good question. So God works in you both to will and to do. So to do is the ability, but to will is the desire. Have you ever willed yourself out of bed when you didn't want to get out of bed? I, last night I got about five hours of sleep. I, I normally get somewhere between six and seven. That's like pretty good for me. So last night I got five. And I will tell you, when the alarm went off this morning and I knew I was facing a 400-mile drive, I really wouldn't want to get out of bed. But I have a responsibility. I got out of bed. Okay? If any man will do his will. As a kid, did I want to give up rock music? No, I didn't. I loved it. But I realized, wait a minute, do I love God or do I love my music more? So I said, Lord, if you want me to, I'll give this up. By the way, I didn't just magically lose my desire for music. But here's a wonderful promise. Delight thyself, lost in the Lord, and you shall give thee the desire of thy heart. It's become my life verse, Psalm 37, 4. Delight thyself, lost in the Lord, and give thee the desires of thine heart. Oh, like, so I've always wanted to win the lottery, so if I delight in God, I'm going to get the mega millions, right? But no. Well, it says if you delight in the Lord, you'll, you'll get the big payoff. No, it says if you delight in the Lord, I'll give you the desires of your heart. Well, I want to be a millionaire. Uh, have you ever noticed if you tell God, I will not, you most likely will? <laughs> you know, I'll never go to Africa. I'll never be a missionary. I'll never. Now, there is one exception. I have been telling God for years I would never be a millionaire. So far, he's let me live that one out. But, you know. <laughs> What does it mean if you delight in the Lord and give you the desires of your heart? When you make God your delight, uh, I, I so delighted in Angela Westberg, I asked her to be my wife. Okay, that's the idea of delight. I choose you to the exclusion of others. All right, when you delight in the Lord, here's what happens. One of two things happens. He either fulfills desires which are God-given, or he changes desires that are flesh-driven. Now, chew on that one. He either fulfills desires that are God-given, or he changes desires that are flesh-driven. I always had a desire to be married. Well, was that flesh-driven? No, it was God-given. And in my case, he gave me a wife. I had a very strong appetite for rock music. God-given or flesh-driven? Well, it was definitely flesh-driven. Guess what? I remember the day I broke up all the music, burned it in the backyard. We were allowed to do that back then. Burned all the albums in the backyard. Crying, I mean, I was breaking down my idol. And for two weeks, I didn't listen to any music because I only liked rock music. I respected church music, I just didn't like it, right? And then I started listening to 
songs, hymns, spiritual songs, and yes, my God changed my heart. Within a month, I did not miss the rock music. I had appetites for the new music. The kind of stuff we're singing at camp this, at the, the retreat this week, because God says, if you don't like me, I'll give you the desires of your heart. Well, I just couldn't like that stuff. Well, you, yeah, you can in your nature, but God can in his nature. And he'll work with you both through all the goodness and pleasure. So speak yourself in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. How many people do you know that deliberately do that? Other than in church, that's one reason it's so important to sing. When I was in college, I took a class called Evangelistic Song Leading from Mr. Geddes Allen. He was the uh, song leader of the campus church. And he's still there. I uh, led the choir for years. And he said, do you know why the Dark Ages were the Dark Ages? He said, we all know because the Bible was taken out of the hands of the person in the pew. You know, that's why it was Dark Ages. But he said, not only that, one of the other tragedies was singing was taken out of the mouths of the congregation. Only paid clergy would perform music in church. But he said, um, the Dark Ages were the Dark Ages because there was no scripture in the hands of the common people and there's no singing in the mouth of the common people. But when Reformation came or when revival came, when times of spiritual awakening came, the Bible's back in the hands of the common man and singing is back in the mouths of the congregants. They said, here's why singing is so important. When I open my mouth to praise someone, I open my heart to him. When I open my mouth to praise someone, I open my heart to him. So I was thinking, that, boy, I like Randy Sherlock. You know, I like that very American. Red, white, blue, and light blue there. So I said, hey, Randy, I really like your shirt. You know what I'm doing? I'm opening my heart to him. You don't, you don't compliment people that you don't like, right? Some people do to try to get advantage of them. I'm not telling you for any reason other than I feel that way, right? When you compliment somebody, you're opening your heart to them. When you open your mouth to praise God, you're opening your heart to them. Oh, I'm not a very good singer. And that's why we joke about it. He says, make a joyful noise to God. Here he says, speaking to yourself in Psalms and hymns. You should be good to sing in the choir. You should be good to sing a special, but you don't have to be good to sing congregation. It's okay if you feel like I'm not a very good singer. God delights to hear you sing. He wants to hear you sing. You're not doing it to impress others. You're doing it to open your heart to God. So when I open my mouth to praise someone, I open my heart to them. Do you sing when it's time to sing? Well, it wouldn't be a blessing to anybody. It would be to God. In fact, in Zephaniah, it says he inhabits the praise of his I wonder how big of a habitation they're building for that. So speak to yourself in psalms and hymns and scripture songs. Then there's another one. And uh, did we lose our words? Okay. Oh, let's go back to the previous one. Sorry. Yeah. Speak to yourself in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, and then giving thanks to God always for all things. Oh. Now, I always thought that 1 Thessalonians 5.18 was tough enough to live out. Okay, in everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. We're going through it again. Uh, my trailer is not functioning properly. And we've been looking for a new trailer for six years. And, uh, you know, people tell me, hey, I know this campground or this, you know, store they sell RVs. It's different when you live in it. Okay, it's one thing to go camping once in a while. We pull it every weekend. And so, man, we work and a really well-built trailer, and your fast road day. Nowadays, I, I was looking recently, if I had one built for what I would want, it, it would be like $280,000, $300,000. Now, I'm not going to get one built, okay? But that's what it would be for a 43 to a 45-foot trailer with four or five slide-outs. And, and the reason that big, it's the only house I have. I don't own a house. We live in that. And when we, my girls come home, that 400 square feet, that's where we live. Okay, and, and not only that, it's not a luxury. We beat them up, pull them down. So they've got to be solid. So my slide outs go out. Well, guess what? My wife has the idea if we are stuck at some church out in Podunk, Colorado, and these slide outs don't come in, I am now stuck wherever we are, and I don't know these people, and I don't know this area. You know, I don't, Rich, we can't be stranded out there. So we, we park in Pensacola. What's that mean for now? Home's Kansas City for us, but my uh, my daughter lives in Pensacola, and my philosophy and birds have enough sense to go south for the winter, and I should too, right? So uh, we know, man, South's place to be in the winter. I, I was I was snorkeling last week in the Gulf of Mexico for 30 minutes, you know, and next week I'm going to be up freezing up in near DC. Uh, so we parked our trailer. I have been through this so many times where we have a blowout or something, and so you know. 
And everything give thanks for the school of God in Christ Jesus concerning. Okay, Lord, thank you for the trial. I know you'll teach us something out of it. And I remember talking to my friend yesterday who's a pastor and saying, Rusty, I'll tell you what, I'm glad uh, the Lord's using this trial in my life because I thought about this. I've got lots of friends that are in the military and they go off and do TDY and they're gone from their family for months. This will give me empathy. In fact, I wasn't being the calm, but I said, you know, we're living in a day where you preach like us, it, it may land some of us in jail sometime. And I'm so used to my freedom. I so hate being separated from my family. You know, maybe down the road one day I'm going to need this kind of prep work. Who knows what is going to happen in this society. Um, man, you think about stuff like that, you know? So I used to think, I'll do another job. In everything, get thanks. Okay, even though I don't love the present circumstance, Lord, you're going to use it for good. But this scripture says, giving thanks always for all things. Thank you for the blowout. Thank you for the bearing that went out and cost thousands of dollars. Thank you for the cancer. For my mom's passing. For you fill in the blank. For the house fire. For the defamation of my reputation. Wow. Giving thanks for all. I'll tell you what, that is not natural. Isn't it interesting? There's nothing mentioned about ecstatic gibberish, what is called tongues. No, nothing mentioned about anything miraculous or anything sensational. But, but I'll tell you what is miraculous when you can give thanks for all things. That's not that. That comes from God. How many Christians you know say, well, thank God, you know what? He's allowed me to have this cancer. Well, my my husband died of COVID and he was only 45. Oh, I way too many of those stories in the last couple years. I know, I'm thinking of a woman right now. She lives in Pennsylvania. Her husband died at 45 of cancer. And I just saw her son last week in college, and he's just got he's in fact he's a junior, he's named after his dad. And he has this joyful countenance. And his mom, who's a widow now in her 40s, and this beautiful woman who has such a sweet spirit, and she's still smiling. How does that happen? God. It's not natural. It's supernatural. You say, I don't think I can do that. You, you know, Jesus said, without me, you can do what? Nothing. That's John 15, 5. But I can do all things. How? Through Christ. And strength. Philippians 4, 13. You are capable of living this way without God. That's exactly right. When my dad was, and I mentioned that reading the, the note to my dad, when my dad said, remember, son, only God can please God, the point is this, it's the Spirit of God empowering us and, and filling us and enabling us. He alone is capable of making us fit to live God, to live for God, to please God, to love God. Uh, we love him because he first loved us. It's all... It all originates from God. So there's speaking to self in Psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. There's giving thanks to God always for all things. And then there's submitting to others in the fear of God. Okay, so speaking to yourself, Psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father and the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God, in the reverence, the dread of his pleasing, the holy God. Submitting, what's submitting? Interesting, tomorrow we'll get into the next part, which is wives, submit yourself to your own husband, unhusbands. But notice this, it starts with submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Part of being spirit-controlled, the word submit is to line up under. How many of you served in the military? Anybody served, has served, or okay? Any of you ever served under a commanding officer who was younger than you? Okay. Anybody under an officer who was shorter in stature than you? Okay. Anybody ever serve under somebody who had been in the service fewer years than you? Uh, I'm sure this will be unanimous. Anybody serve under somebody you were sure had a lower IQ than you? <laughs> but guess what? You still have to submit. So you get court-martialed, right? You got to submit. Okay. We'll get into the principle of wives submitting themselves to their husbands. Doesn't mean a woman's inferior to a husband. I want you to see this whole principle is predicated on, first of all, we got to learn to submit one to another. 
When's the last time you submitted to your wife about something? I'll tell you this whole thing about me being willing to let my family stay in principle. I didn't want to do that. I just wanted to keep trying and trust God. But I, I had just been to a family conference about a month ago that Jim Shepard was uh, preaching at my daughter's church. He, he had been my pastor at Pensacola. And I remember hearing him talk about one of the things you've got to do is provide your wife security and an environment where she's able to nest, where she feels that's, that's home. <laughs> Help on your trailer's breaking down. And I just thought, I'm going to keep going. God will bring these slide outs. And well, honestly, the last few weeks, my two daughters and I have been pushing the slide outs in as my wife's operating the button inside. And the anxiety level has been building with my wife. And, and she just said, I just don't. It makes me stressed out. It's just making me feel so anxious. The last thing I want to do is be on the road without my family. But you know what I'm doing? I'm submitting myself to my wife. I don't mean like Nancy did. He said so. Listening to her needs. She knows I'm the one who has to make a decision when it comes to the man of the house. But there are times when I have to say, okay, I understand your fears. And they're not illegitimate concerns. You know, the word submit is to, is to humble oneself. Very interesting. I read a book a couple of years ago on the topic of worship. We, nowadays, worship is falsely defined as, you know, an experience that makes me feel, it's all about me, makes me feel good, makes me feel connected to God. No, worship actually came from the word that means to humble. It's, it's to bow. The word worship is to bow to me. And the writer would say, in the Bible, worship always had to do with prostrating oneself, with lowering oneself in the presence of another. In fact, to humble is to lower. And the Bible says, God resisted the proud and give grace to whom? The humble. You know, literally, to get on one's knees in the presence of another, why would they humble themselves in the presence of a, a monarch or a magistrate? It was, uh, you're in a higher position than I am. Okay. How, how do we humble ourselves before God? By the way, it's one of the reasons I still believe in giving old-fashioned, come-down-the-aisle invitations, because it's one of the rare times that we actually get on our knees before God. I'll, I'll do it this week if pastor doesn't mind my doing it. Um, in the services, I'll invite you, if God's been prompting your heart, to bow the knee before God. We don't do it to be showy. In fact, I think a lot of times we hold up because we're afraid of what people think. We're not responding in invitation with any concern of what people think. But it's actually an act of adoration where we humble ourselves before God. What well, was the last time you went to somebody and said, I'm sorry, I was wrong, you please forgive me? I'll, I'll give you a reason. My, my youngest daughter is 12. So we have a 26-year-old daughter who's married. 23-year-old daughter who did not go to college. She, she's traveling with us. Her, she said, can I stay at home and help you guys? So her desire for ministry has been helping us in children's ministry. So I have 26, 23, and then 12. <laughs> Same life. Okay, late cover to the party. Uh, my 12-year-old has a really sweet spirit for God. A couple of weeks ago, I... Uh, my wife and I had locked horns on something. Now, I will tell you this. Um, I remember hearing a preacher preach one time. He said, my wife and I have never had a crossword in our married lives. <laughs> and I, by the way, I knew the man. I think he really meant it. They had very sweet, spirit-controlled government. But I thought, I, I couldn't say that in the last month. Uh, you know, my wife and I are both firstborns. And if you're a firstborn, you kind of like, I am right, right? Uh, I, I, don't, I can't tell you how many times I've had to go back to my wife and say, Angel, I'm sorry. I was wrong. Can you please forgive me? But my wife and I had locked horns on something, and it had gotten ugly. And I remember Angela had gone to bed, and I, I'm sitting on the couch with my daughter, Renee. I said, Renee, I, I needed to talk to Mom about this, but I need to ask you, can you please forgive me? I said, I, I fought with Mom in front of you, and it was wrong. And all of a sudden, I started to cry. And then and my daughter teared up and cried, and she Forgive you, Dad. Oh, I'm a preacher. I can't admit to my child that I'm wrong. Let me tell you, if you don't admit you're wrong, you'll lose your kids. God gives grace to whom? And please understand, I'm not being proud of my humility, okay? I, I, I feel embarrassed that I had to tell you this, but I just want to be real with you that I have had to constantly go to others like my own daughter and say, oh, I'm sorry, I was wrong. 
my best reader. It is one of the reasons that my dad was my best man in my life. My dad would come to me and say, look, my child's wrong. Can you please forgive me? It takes a real man to do that. It takes a spiritual man to do that. Submitting yourself, yourselves, one to another in the fear of God. Maybe your wife, in this case it was my own child. I'm 56, my daughter's 12. She, she was born the week I turned 44. I had to go to my 12-year-old daughter and say, I'm sorry. I was wrong. And please forgive me. Um, sometimes it's other preachers. Sometimes it's, it's, uh, it's neighbors. You know, my dog tore up your flower garden. I'm so sorry. Will you please forgive me? So, ah, you deserved it anyway. Only by pride coming. Contention, yeah. Fighting contention, arguing. Only by pride comes contention. God gives grace to them. How do you know if you're spiritual? Hey, are you speaking to yourself in songs, in the spiritual? Do you make a melody? Your heart to the Lord? Are you giving thanks always for all things? That's not just hallelujah, I got a raise. I mean, the world does that. Thank God I lost somebody close to me. Thank the Lord, our house burned down. Are you kidding? Like Paul and Barnabas in prison at midnight, singing and praising God. They're praying first. I would be doing that, but then they're praying. They they just had their backs beaten to a blisters, and they're locked up in stocks that spread eagle with their legs put through a block wall and shackled on the other side. And when your back's been bleak, beaten to a bloody pulp, you can't lie back, and so if your legs are 90 degree angle and you can't lie forward your head's against the wall. There is just no comfortable position. And what are they being treated like this for? Because they just freed a demonic woman and preached the gospel. And what are they doing? Take the closest Christian law association that I can get a hold of. They, you know, they, they prayed, but then they praised God. And when God sent the earthquake and the prison doors, uh, the prison walls broke open, everybody could have escaped, but they didn't. Why? Paul was more concerned about the soul of the jailer than he was about his own personal freedom. Why didn't the other guys escape? I, that had to be restrained word of God. And they said, praise the God, stress. And that's how the Philippian church got started. Isn't that amazing? Because some guys were practicing this, giving thanks to God always for all things. What a testimony. And then submitting to others in the fear of God. And I remember seeing in my dad's life, we had uh, gone to a church where um, we'd come out of the Methodist church and we were going to an independent uh, fundamental church, IFCA church, uh, kind of like a, uh, that's the group I think John MacArthur told you years ago. So it's, it's, a, it's a Baptistic church called Christ Community Church. We started going there. The pastor was an old Moody grad who was very dispensationalist theology, very conservative in every way. So this is the first exposure we've had to fundamentalism, and we're learning under this pastor, and we're growing, and, and I, I am flourishing as a 15-year-old kid. My life has totally changed. Well, the old-timers that came to that church, uh, they decided they didn't like the conservative bent this pastor had taken them in, and they wanted to vote him out. But the new people who had come were there because of sound theology, etc. So um, the old-timers got a meeting together and voted him out. Well, the people that had come along for the good, for the truth were like, no, 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 no we're, we're not leaving. We're, we're staying. Uh, Pastor, would you consider starting another church? So they did. They formed a church, and my dad was one of the deacons, and uh, my dad was a builder, and one year he had this windfall profit, and I remember hearing later he poured $40,000 of his own money into building the church. We didn't have that kind of extra money. We did that year. And my dad poured it into the building of this church. Well, my pastor's son went off to a Bible college that was in the midst of going through a change uh, theologically. And he was coming home with a bunch of ideas that my, my dad knew were wrong, but for some reason this, uh, the pastor was being influenced by his son, and all of a sudden he started to change on some issues where he had really stood next. My dad and the other deacon in the church were only 40 or so at the time, people. So two deacons. The other deacon and my dad went... I'm sorry, my dad went to talk to the other deacon and the pastor about it. And the pastor um, did not see it the way my dad. He said, this is how you trained us. And the pastor turned on my dad. 
And he began to attack him from the pulpit. And I remember my dad first tried to go to the pastor individually, and then he went with the other deacon, and then finally he said, I just got to leave, you know, the Matthew 18 approach. And he left quietly. He said, I'm not going to destroy this church. I'm not going to make a stink. And here my dad had thrown his loyalty behind this pastor. By the way, I, this, this pastor taught me how to study the Bible. I will, have, I will have wonderful fellowship with this pastor in heaven. But at this time, we're going through a deep hurt. And to my parents' credit, they never gave up on God. I was a student at PCC at the time, and I remember hearing Dr. Don Smith, who later would be on staff at Pensacola Christian, but he was at the time pastor of Emmanuel Baptist in uh, Mechanicsburg, Pennsylvania. And he was a man of prayer. He used to spend Friday night, uh, sorry, Saturday nights, he'd go over to the church and he'd pray like five hours every Saturday night. He'd go through every pew. Mighty man of prayer. I heard him preach at the college there, and I said, you want to go hear Don Smith preach? My parents drove two and a half hours from southern New Jersey out there. Central Pennsylvania. In fact, it's where I'm going to be on Easter week this year. And uh, so, mom and dad went out there to hear. They liked the church so much, they ended up joining. And every Sunday, they would drive two and a half hours one way across the Pennsylvania Turnpike, the School Expressway, to go to Emmanuel Baptist, and they would spend all day, Sunday school, Sunday morning. They'd stay with the pastor or somebody else's family, be there Sunday night, and then drive back. My dad, general contractor, spending an entire Sunday, including five hours on the road, to be in a good church, and they did that for a year and a half. It's one of the reasons Dr. Ron Comfort had my dad um, help him start Ambassador Baptist College. My dad is a builder, because Don Smith was one of the men on the board of Ambassador Baptist College, and that was the, the connection there. And I traveled with Ron Comfort, that's how I ended up at the end. So, every decision you make affects the next decision you I tell that story to say my dad was at a point where the man that he had been most influenced by for good turned on him, and my dad could have gotten bitter and thrown his hands up and said, that's it, we're done with fundamentalism. But no, he said, I'm, I'm here for God. And nothing's going to change. And my dad taught me submitting to others in the fear of God and honoring God even when maybe people closest to you let you down. Dad shared with me Psalm 118.8. It's better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. That doesn't mean we shouldn't trust men. It just means, but understand this, all men have limitations. If a man ever lets you down, that doesn't mean God will ever let you down. Men may fail. God never will. Submit yourself. One to another in fear of God. So let me ask this. Are you being filled with the Spirit? You know what a guy looks like when he's filled out. He, he's like out of control. Some are like really loquacious, talkative. Others become very quiet. They're influenced by it, but they're not the same person. No. Let me ask you, are you filled with the Spirit? Peter and John prayed after they'd been threatened not to preach anymore in Jesus' name. Lord, grant unto thy servants that with all boldness we may preach thy word. And then it says, they prayed, they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spake the word of God with boldness. He changed their personality. Where do you see the Spirit of God changing your personality? I'll tell you, any of that is not the natural thing. That is the spiritual thing. So let me ask you this. Are you filled with the Spirit? Not hard. It's hard, isn't it? Believe me, I don't preach it as one who has attained this. I need this too. Lord, I pray you with spirits and all this trials to work in us. I really believe that the principle of revival starts with David's prayer in Psalm 139. Search me, O God, and know my heart, try me, know my thoughts, see if there be any wicked way in me. Lead me in the way of honesty. Fellas, let me ask you this tonight as we've got our heads bowed, just a, just a couple of questions to let God's spirit probe us. How many of you can say there, there definitely came a point in my life that I, I realized. You know, just being born, just going to church doesn't get a person to heaven. I had to be born again. There was a point at which I was born by the Spirit of God. I, I came to the point of realizing I'm a rotten sinner, and I put my trust totally in Christ to save me. If that's true, would you lift your hands and say, I know that. I know the Lord is my Savior. Okay? And put your hands down. Let me address you guys who just raised your hand. As we're going through this study, we're looking at what God says about being controlled by that Spirit who is the one who begot you again. 
might say that again. Be knocked again to a lively hope. See, you've been born again. So what's the evidence? Anybody get challenged in the area of speaking to yourself in songs, hymns, spiritual songs, making melody in your heart? Anybody find that personally applicable? Did you lift your hand? I, I needed to hear that. I need to start practicing that when I'm walking. Down. I mean, a lot of us. More than half of us, frankly. Okay? And by the way, I, I don't need to go into details, but uh, you put your hands up. On the negative side, don't be controlled by what? Well, he specifically mentions wine, but you think that would be pertinent to drugs or pornography or anger or lust or pride, ambition? Hey, I, I don't need to know your sin. That's between you and God. But may I ask you this? Anybody here say I was convicted of some things that ought not to be? Would you just quietly lift your hand? I'm not going to come ask you what it is, but it's you know between you and God there's something. Yeah. yeah. How about this principle of um, not only speaking to yourself, psalms, hymns, but then submitting yourself one to another? Anybody need that today? Yeah, I needed that. And then giving thanks for things. Boy, any area in your life you say, man, I'll tell you what, is it possible for me to thank God for that? Well, yeah, without Him, you can't do anything. But with Him, is there somebody to make me say, pray for me? There is something that I have not been able to thank God for. But I know I need to. Did you want your hand? Yeah. Yeah. Final thought. When asked if you've been born again, maybe you could raise your hand and say yes. I'd urge you to come talk to Pastor Todd or me or any of the pastoral staff. But let's talk about it. How do you get born again? I'll explain it to you just the way my dad did. Simple terms that a 10-year-old can understand. Not going to church or being a Baptist to get you to have it. It's being Father, please work these truths in our heart to bring transformation. We're not looking at a list of things. We're looking at the person and the Spirit of God who can enlighten us. And I pray for you, God. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Pastor Mike, uh, any announcements? Yeah, we'll keep the snack shack open for about 10 more minutes. Uh, we'll do dodgeball at 950. We still have a couple teams that need one or two more people, so if you're kind of on the fence, but would like to 